welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am so excited to welcome to you this week's guest, Alicia Albright. Let me just start by saying that Alicia is one... I'm so excited about this episode because Alicia literally is light in human form. Not only is she light in human form, but she is also a mermaid. And you will get to hear all about our connection to what being a mermaid is for both of us in this episode, which I'm really excited for everyone to hear because it might not be what you assume it to be. Um, And I will also just say that For each of these episodes, I've been pulling quotes to share on my Instagram, and I literally could not choose which quote to pull for Alicia because everything she says is just so wise and so tuned in, and I'm just so, so, so excited for you to hear this. So a little bit about Alicia. She is an NYC-based Broadway performing artist, choreographer, creator, avid traveler and theater dance, yoga, meditation, and empowerment teacher, and is starting her own company called The Feed Your Soul Project. She has appeared on Broadway as the original cast member and swing in Disney's Frozen the Musical, and was also the dance captain and swing of Wicked on Broadway. And she has toured in the U.S. and globally, and she is just such an amazing teacher, performer, human artist. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) So the first question I want to start with is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? Wow. It's a deep question, especially right now. I think it's really tuning inside. You know, there's been, honestly, there's been a lot of blockages because of everything happening in the world and life looking so different. And there's times that I personally have been confronted and like wanted to create something and then was like, now's not the time to put that out there, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or whatever. And so I've really taken it as a time. I love that you do writing because I'm, I'm involved with another writing course about getting clarity in your life's purpose Mm -hmm. and that has always I've done it numerous times I'm doing it again right now it helps me dive deeper and deeper into who I want to be and what I want to put out into the world and getting clear on what fuels me you know Mm -hmm. and so I think that right now it's really getting clear on like and not letting fear or shoulds or you know, have to or get let that be a deciding factor of what I do or don't do. Yeah. It's like I'm taking the time to really go inside to be like, what does my like what is coming from me that can't that I'm stopping but really like is dying to come out. Yeah. You know, and what causes and what how can I be of service? How can my artistry be of service to a greater good? 
And so right now it's kind of like I'm taking the time to like cocoon inside and figure out that. But I do think it's beautiful that with the world being so different and like the Broadway quote unquote community not existing right now, yeah. there is so much possibility. Like there is a whole series I want to do. I love nature so much and I have this whole series that I just haven't put out yet of dancing in front of trees, <laughs> like improving and and how the the piece of nature or the tree or whatever the national park makes me feel to bring about awareness of climate change. And, and that was like months ago that I wanted to start that and then I've kind of put a pause on it. And it's like, how can I create a space like that to bring awareness and in other ways too? So it, yeah, it's like, I think right now the fueling is going inward to figure out what, who I really am and like who I am without all these labels that I've had on me for so long too. Like what's the inside that wants to come out? So TBD. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And the dance video sounds incredible. And do you feel like this is one of the first times or can you think of another time in your life where you've kind of had to go through this like inward cocooning self-discovery process? I can get really busy in like the way the world used to be and push myself away. And but then stuff gets loud enough that I really always end up going inward to figure out what's going on with me. And it's changed my life. And a big time, a, a huge time that it happened that really shifted my life was I had been in Wicked for seven years and left and then left a relationship I was in that wasn't serving me and was really down and didn't know if I wanted to perform anymore, was teaching, but only to like little kids, which I adore. But when I only teach little kids, I was like, there's something missing. And the joke is I was with my roommate I'd been with for so many years. She'd come home and I'd be drinking wine and sit on the floor and cry. <laughs> and she was like, here we go. And she'd always say, what a, what a unique opportunity of growth. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be like, Psh. but it's so true. And at the time, randomly through my, one of my college best friends, from UCI, she told me about a writing retreat actually that was yoga, surfing, meditation, and writing in Bali. That sounds like my dream. <laughs> it is. And this is the work that I've started, the writing, and I'm still doing his work. He has an online course. But when you go to Bali, I mean, Bali is incredible. And I was very lost at the time. I went to Bali by myself and I went a week ahead and just was like, I journal, I journal all the time. And, but especially when I'm sad, I'm learning to journal more all the time. And this retreat, the first time I did it, it changed my life. And one big thing is we had a writing exercise about finding your life purpose. And he has all this stuff that up at sunrise, you don't talk, you write. Then you'll go like, you'll do yoga and have breakfast and like this beautiful breakfast outdoors. And then you'll go surfing and you come back and you write. So you're doing it throughout the day. And, and there's one that on one page you put like things that fulfill you and whatever cooking and then another page you put like positive quality and then the idea is to eventually put like a a phrase together that's like you and this one guy who was nailing it now but he at the time was a person who came in would swoop into companies get them fired up and then leave so his life purpose phrase was I'm dynamite at a slumber party which I think because they they add this level of humor and I was having a really hard time finding the words I just couldn't figure it out and I find there's like dance is what expressed what I couldn't say in words and so my friend Rick who runs the retreats was like give it a dance phrase and I instantly had a life purpose dance phrase and then the next day we were snorkeling and I was doing it underwater because I want to be a mermaid 
and the light resistance of the water and for me water is a feeling of complete freedom we're not weighed down by gravity we're not weighed down and you're so much more in it because you're controlling your breath so you you are that much more in the moment and so I started doing the life purpose phrase and I was like I'm gonna create an underwater dance piece and I've never this is the one time I've never been so sure about something I had met the man that I knew that I wanted to film it once I emailed him from China I was like this crazy idea do you want to do it and it was kind of also a, me telling the story of how I was so down I just wanted to give up at the bottom of the pool but then you remember there's something from the inside and it's like rediscovering underwater and at the end I finally come up for air and it's like rebirth and so he was like sure where do you live and I was like oh I live in Washington Heights he's like me too we ended up living across the street from each other never had seen each other before he filmed it it's the first time I filmed I've trained for you know and I just I had no doubt I'd never seen anyone do it before I knew someone had for sure but it was the first time in my life that this this like story and the way it like had to come out and then we filmed it and then doing it it was like I didn't even need to see it I was like I, I finally because I'm used to people give me opportunity and I flourish this is one that like I created it and I did it and I was like I've never had that feeling that I, it was really for me and then we eventually like edited it and put it out into the world but it was more that like the feeling I got from accomplishing something that I never thought I'd do was completely my own idea then also on top of it he became one of my best friends. Then we got together and now we're engaged. What? Oh my God. You're engaged to the man who did the video? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I saw, I saw pictures of you with him and I was like, oh, so excited. What an incredible story. Yeah. So that, that first retreat literally changed my life in so many ways, like a artistically fulfilled me. And then also like in that retreat, I, I let go of even when you're successful, anyone, I think we have like scars on the inside of things that didn't work out, job, relationship, stories. And I felt myself in meditation one day, just like, I felt like my hands go like this. And it's like letting go of the reins of what I thought my life needed to look like. And all I wanted to do was dance. And then like everything shifted when I would teach, when I would go into auditions. And I thought I was I was done with Broadway. I'd never originated a show. I didn't think I would. And because I was almost, I was like 39 at the time. And so I was like, that's okay. I will dance till the day I die. I don't have to get paid to dance to be a dancer. That doesn't validate it. Like I, that's my soul. And, and then ironically, I shifted in the room and I do this thing where I tap my heart like before because I remind myself to come from that open hearted place that I felt where it's like anything is possible. It's my soul, not my body dancing. And then I got so much dance opportunity. I worked for a company in California that people would tell me, I saw your soul dancing on stage. I booked Frozen, like on Broadway, got to be in the original cast, got to be on the Tonys, got to do all these things that I never thought would be possible for me from going inside and shifting my perspective. Wow. And like, and it literally, and I could, I could go on other things that happened from it and yeah. But it, it, it was the going inward, the, the, the getting curious about myself and all aspects of myself and discovering and letting go and bringing back. And like when I teach a lot, I'll say like, like you know how on a cloudy day, the sun never goes away. We think it does, but it's always there. Just like our creative soul never goes away. It's just hidden. And it's like a process of us again and again and again and again, unveiling it 
and then it covers again and then we unveil it but each chapter is different too the unveiling is beautiful and different and and it takes such courage to because it's much easier to push it away and have a glass of wine and and go get really busy or or talk around things you know what I mean? Even with yeah. friends, you can have friends that support you to talk around things or friends that support you to really face things. Yeah. Exactly. And I find like the, the courage to really face yourself in all times. And now is a beautiful chance for the world to do that if they choose to. And rise up to be a more open human for the greater good of humanity is like an, an opportunity that's right now if people choose that path. Yeah, I think that whole story is really beautiful because it speaks to transitions. And I think artists are kind of always in a, just the nature of the career that we chose, especially being an actor and being in theater. It's like, there's always things beginning and ending and you're not really like stuck in one long thing. Mm -hmm. And the chance that we have now with everything going on in the world is like that space and that breath to really draw inward and ask ourselves those questions that maybe we've been running away from their whole lives and had never had that opportunity to like have something end, whether that be a job or, you know, their routine or their way of life. And so I love that you bring that up because that's the perspective that I've really been seeing that. And then seeing like a story from you when you were in that kind of dark night of the soul, how much you needed that and how you needed that to then up level to the next phase of your life and how much beauty and love and relationships and all it's like, I get the image of the phoenix and like the fire and the ashes and being born again with the phoenix. Yeah. So, and oh. it, it's actually telling you it because then we, it's it again and again. It's a it's a constant practice in yeah. little ways and big ways. Right now is like a big human consciousness way that everybody is collect collective. That's what I'm going for way, but we're all going through this constantly. And even telling you the story reminds me because I'm facing some stuff right now that I'm really scared of, yeah. and I'm fighting it and I'm resisting it instead of seeing the proof of like, when I did it in the past, the opening was boundless. But we can face so much fear that stops us. Like I'm so aware that I can tell myself a story about how people are stopping me, but it's me. Yeah. And it also made me think of, you know, in, in dance, people can think of like the move and the move. But I think the beauty is the transition between the moves. You know, and which I haven't thought of that as much before until you were saying that, and it's a similar thing that there is so much beauty in like, did you say dark matter or like, like yeah, like the, the dark night of the soul, like yeah. the shadow, shadowy side. Yeah, our shadow side. It's like all us. Also, we think of it as this and this instead yeah. of all us, and knowing also that nothing is nothing is permanent. Even like a good thing, we 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 like overly attach and cling to the good moments and overly attach and cling to the bad moments. Yeah. And, then, and then almost again in the transition, if the transition is kind of okay, we just and then are like, whatever, instead of like really leaning into that, it can be such a beautiful thing. And hardship is such a beautiful opportunity to grow. Yeah, it's that, like you said, kind of recognizing what stories you're telling yourself and then surrendering to that and like surrendering to where it wants to shift you, even if it's scary. And even if there are all these like things that you're telling yourself, but remembering to listen to that call and follow that. Yeah. And, and it's discerning the difference. Mm. Like, you know, we can, a true call. I feel like if it's a physical, I feel it like, mm, mm, mm. but the mind can also mess this up and be like, this is your call. It's this like mastery of discerning 
the difference of ego mind versus heart and soul. And I think the easiest way to tap into that is to go inward. Mm, and get really quiet. Yes. Journal, write, meditate, whatever it is for you. You know. Yeah, I'm really glad you bring that up because I, I get caught in those moments of like, well, how do we know? Like, how can I truly trust my intuition and know that it's not my mind like trying to force me in a direction? And is it really my intuition? But that then for me, yeah, it's when I'm meditating and like, or, or if I'm alone and tra traveling alone, like I've recently, I, I was feeling really stuck during this pandemic because I'm living with my boyfriend and like just being stuck in one place all the time, not being able to see other people, just like being around the same person all the time. I kind of forget me and like my magic. And last weekend, um, I took a ferry to this island in Rhode Island. And it was the first time that I solo traveled for the first time in, in months. And I was reminded of the magic of listening to me. And, you know, when you have that feeling, you just know, and there's no doubt and there's no question. And you're just like, oh, it's such a good feeling. And, and it's a good reminder to myself and maybe to others of like taking that time for yourself and yeah. being able to slow down in that way. And it's like we're building up, you know what they call it, samskaras? Yeah, you know, and in the same way that we'll have freedom and listening with the negative pathways that we can tend to go down, we're also creating positive ones, like deposits. And that experience was another deposit and of a positive samskara for you to like tap into and remember and trust on the times when you doubt it again, which will happen that like, wait, and I always like to tell myself the proof is in the pudding. Like I've done this before. I've been here before. But sometimes we get so lost. And that's okay too, and doubt and whatnot. And especially now, I feel like because it is we're, we're used to, it's like it's like water. Water is meant to move, and if it doesn't, it gets stagnant, starts to grow stuff. And you know, we're meant to be moving. And and it is. It's like how can we? I feel the same way when I'm in the same place for too long. I'm like, <laughs> and I forget. And yeah. and I just last night I was on a call with this group from Bali, and I was saying when I don't feel like I'm living my life purpose, I I feel terrible yeah. you know but then I'm not taking the actions to do it and it's just doing something and then I'm also doing I'm doing all the things right now the artist way. have you done the artist way yes the artist way changed my life I've never done it so I'm so excited so you took yourself on an artist date when you yeah you know exactly. to like remind yeah of ourselves of because it isn't no matter how wonderful and beautiful our relationships can be there is a, a sacredness to yourself and having that time for yeah. you. And so I'm glad you did that. And it's good. I'm going to go take myself on an artist date later today. Oh, I love that. Well, you talk about, because we are both alumni from the same university, shout out UC Irvine. And we're both mermaids. Yes, and we're both mermaids. We will get into the mermaid stuff later because I want to, you kind of already have mentioned a lot of like what the mermaid symbolizes, but I want to hear more about that later. But maybe I'm asking this because like I'm three years out of undergrad and kind of, ha I feel like I have barely started my professional career, but I'm interested in hearing your story of going to college or any, you know, any program and how that prepared you for your career and how, what maybe you wish you had learned or kind of like things that maybe you went through after graduating college as you were entering the quote unquote real world and, and how you were able to navigate that. I loved my time in college. Everyone has a different experience. And I was lucky that I went in as a dance major and I danced in Donald McHale's dance company. But I always did theater. And they, and they added the honors musical theater program. I was the first person they chose, I was shocked. 
and then I added drama as a double major, so I was there for five years. And I did feel like, because I also didn't do theater, I never got paid until I left college. Like, I never did summer stock. I only did two shows in high school, but I always did the choir and in the band and on the dance team and a cheerleader, and I danced at my studio. And, and so I did all these things, but I only actually did two musicals ever growing up at school. My freshman year, my senior year. And I'd never done community theater. I didn't even really know. So for me, the shows I did at Irvine were like more professional than a lot of the shows, even that I did it starting out. <laughs> and I went there for the New York satellite program also, because I knew I wanted to move to New York. It had been my dream, but I was a little too scared to, I didn't even apply to NYU or Juilliard or anything like that. I don't know why, I was just a little too scared. And this was like, beach, ocean, and musical theater and going to New York. So I really got to do both a lot of acting in musical theater and dancing the way that I was dancing at a modern dance company. And I did the New York program my junior year, and then I stayed for the summer. And I worked at Steps and did all the things. And in a way, I, I never wanted to get a job and leave. I think my mom put the fear in me. She's like, you will get a degree. So even then, like I kind of auditioned, but it was more just like at that, that summer, New York was the most magical place that ever existed. Like I lived in Queens and, or Astoria and I would take the train and look, I was like mm, looking at the skyline. Like it was the most, and then once I moved here for real, it wasn't so magical anymore, but it was the most magical, like sleepless in Seattle magical moment. And then went back, finished school. My fifth year, there's a couple of us that were double majors and had a fifth year. We all like lost it our fifth year. So I think we were like, we're supposed to be gone and we're still here. But when I, and ironically, I my flight to New York City was September 12th, 2001. Oh my gosh. So obviously I didn't go that day because it was after September 11th. And, but I still went, I it was so, it, it was another time in my life. And I was like, no, this is my dream. So flights opened up September 17th, I came. I already had a place, the place I had stayed that summer stayed in my group of friends from UCI. And so I moved back into that place. And I remember thinking like, I'm not gonna not go because of this, another tragedy in our world that happened back then. And in a way it felt special to be here and be a part of it because it was, people were different to each other at that time. Now it's so sad because everyone's so separate because there's so much fear, but there was like a definite coming together and a kindness in people. And I remember also thinking like, gosh, and there used to, there was just always like a court, my mom would be like, you know, it's going to be really hard. I'm just letting you know. And I was like, I know it's going to be okay. And there was something in me, I need to remind myself when I forget now, even that they always knew I'd be okay. And I got here, got a waitressing job, not a very good waitress. But I remember auditioning for stuff, and then my first job ever was by Eric Lee, who is Connie Wong in the first line. That's her story, and she sets it everywhere. And she was directing and choreographing Jesus Christ Superstar in Europe. I was manifesting stuff not knowing I was manifesting it back then. Like I would say, like I had a, a guy I did at the time do education abroad, and I was like, I just want to see through I want to travel the world. I just want to travel, and I want to dance, and I want to, and then cut to that was, the first job that I got and I, I was in Europe going like oh my god I manifested this you know but I remember Mr. McHale who I danced for was in town when I had auditions and he was like oh by Eric Lee you should tell her I said hi and I don't like doing stuff like that because he gave her a big job once and so I ha made it through all the callbacks and but the initial day when I think about these certain things that happened in my life I'm like 
how can you not say there's something bigger than us? I wasn't going to go to the audition because I wasn't feeling very well. And I was going to go to a dance class instead because I was like, I just don't feel, I don't want to sing, whatever. And then I was on the train coming into the city and something was told me loud and clear, you have to go to this audition. I got off the train, went back, got my music book changed, went to the audition. I ran into an old friend from UCI and I was like, maybe that was the call. That was why I was supposed to be here, to see her. But then I ended up booking it. And I told my last audition, I told Byrick, I was like, just saw Don McHale, he says hello. And she was like, Don McHale? I was like, yeah, I danced for him for five years. And she was like, oh. But she ended up becoming my mentor for years. I w did that show with her, then I did it again. And it was the first time I was a dance captain. So I used to go to her house and she would work on scenes with me. And like, she became a mentor. I met the first love of my life in Europe and was with him for five years. So then I, I toured a lot with different stuff. And I always had, I've worked a lot, but I never worked without having to have a time where I had survival jobs. I have a lot of friends who are like, I never had a normal job. And I was like, that is so good for you. Someday that's gonna suck when you have to get one, you know, cause it's just tools in your toolkit. Like at one point I had 10 survival jobs, like all part-time, you know, eventually I learned how to have survival jobs that I liked that were like in my field still. And then eventually became a yoga teacher. And, and so then it was like my other path. But, you know, I, you do what you gotta do. So I always had time in between. Occasionally it was back to back, but normally I'd do a gig, come back, get a million jobs, get another gig. So that was the way for a couple of years. And it's more the resilience. It's like, I felt prepared from school and how to audition, but I think the resilience of, and I was blessed that I worked a lot. I did a lot of the shows in school and, and it was, you know, knowing I told myself a lot of stories in the beginning that I wasn't good enough. If I got cut, instant story, I'm too fat, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm not talented. I'd go to Starbucks and cry and get a mocha because I had to go cater. And so I had like catering outfit in my backpack and I live in Washington Heights now for like 16 years. So I didn't have time to go home. So I'd go and like cry in the corner, pull it together and then go. <laughs> and my boyfriend at the time, I'd be upset and he'd be like, are you at Starbucks? I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, it's just, you build that. And I started to learn that the stories are what's holding me back. Even if those people did think those things, who cares? So the resilience, I think it's like what you feel pull and what I feel more pull to any class I teach now, even if it's just total musical theater dance, it's about really loving yourself and believing in yourself and empowering yourself to know that you're more than that dance class. You're more than that show. You're more than that audition. Because I feel like that was the biggest thing that I realized how I was holding myself back and telling, called stinking thinking. I had a lot of stinking thinking. And, or I wanted so much, even in a dance class, just get, tell me I'm good enough. And I didn't believe it for myself. And it, but the beauty was I had to go through all those things, you know? And then, so when all shook up, I had gotten my card, went in for this, went into the boys call, because I was there early and got punched in the eye. This guy, the move was boom, gah, gah, and he literally punched me in the eye. And I was like, ah, finished the combo, and they cut me. I was like, how dare you? And so I was signed up for the girls' call. I was there early. Later, it was Sergio Trujillo, later to find out he doesn't like when girls and boys do that. Didn't know. But I was like, I'm gonna come back. I changed my outfit, I changed my headshot and my hair. I went back in, and I made it, and he noticed me and gave me a correction right away, but didn't remember me from earlier. And I made it to the first cut, and that's all I needed. I was like, work, thank you. I just needed to get a callback. And then I kept getting a callback, kept getting a callback. And then got the show. And 
did pre-pro, and for the show, I was like, I don't know if you remember, I got punched in the eye and you cut me. And he was like, really? He goes, we're lucky to have you. And, you know, and if I hadn't had that persistence and whatever gumption I had to do that, but then also on that tour, I was the assistant dance captain. It was my first equity job. And the dance captain was the only person from the Broadway company. And I think he was threatened by my exuberance. And he was very mean to me for months. And I'm used to getting along with everyone. And he was so mean to me. And I would cry and I would pray and I would do yoga in the hotel. And it was a really, really hard experience for eight months until after eight months, I finally stood up for myself. And then he respected me. Then it was a 10 month run. And now he's very kind to me. But I just appreciate every time, like, I'm so thankful for him because he helped me on my journey to believe in myself and not look mm -hmm. outward. Because I was so used to just people being nice to me and liking me. And I had to go inward and be like, no, 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 I'm not wrong. He's treating me wrong. I thought mm -hmm. I was wrong. And I would try to do all the things for him. And finally, when I finally found myself, so it's, I, in, in the, I love this, in this conversation with you, I'm realizing again and again, I had to go inward to find myself. And then the real me came out and then everything shifted again and again. And it gave me tools. Every time it gave me tools. Because then I got wicked after that. And at one point the stage manager was kind of rude to me and I never in the past would have said something, but I kindly and just confidently was like, I just didn't appreciate how you talked to me like that. Because I'd come from that experience where I was treated so bad. And she was like, you are so right and I apologize. And I wouldn't have wow. known to stand up for myself in a way that was just calm and clear if I hadn't had that experience. So when I think every show, every job was a life lesson. And every time not getting it was a life lesson. And so those are the things that I think maybe so now, I don't know if they teach those kinds of things now, but I feel like that's what I want to impart into the world that like, we're just so much more and life is so much more than one show. And then, cause then with all this, and then like with the Bali thing, cause in Wicked it was amazing, but I also, it, it, that could be a harsh environment. And so I left for myself to be like, I wanna be a person who brings light into the world and encourages and empowers people. I don't feel that way here, so I'm choosing my path. And people were like, you don't have a job? And I was like, nope. And I took the leap. And, you know, had one gig at Transcendence Theater Company, which is the place I've worked for in Sonoma, California, that it was like, I finally found my tribe. They were like, we get to sing and dance, and we did good, we did outreach for the community. I got to lead alignments every day with like, where I would teach yoga or meditation. So it got to be like all the sides of me. And then they gave me experiences like I hadn't danced since UCI. Like I was doing contemporary solos at, in my late 30s, like living, kicking my face. And they saw me more than I saw myself. So I finally saw what was possible. And therefore, and we would circle up before a show and they'd say, your only job right now is, is to touch someone's heart. That's it. It's not about being fierce or perfect. It's about touching someone's soul. And that's the experience. So it's like, I know it's possible. And even once I booked Frozen, I would see people who thought they didn't matter if they were in the back of a formation. They're in the original cast of a Broadway show and they'd be in the back of a formation and they would cry. And I wanted to be like, I know we want to be in the front. I know all that, but you matter no matter where you're. I was a swing. I mattered and I wasn't even on stage. So it's like those kinds of things are such a long answer is what I wish I'd learned. But I think that that's 
tools that only if you yourself have gone inward do you know to be a guiding light for someone else. And so many of our teachers didn't know that. Our parents didn't know that. You know, so they just did their best. And all of our teachers have done their very best with the tools that they have. And then we take those and add our own. So we're the light that can go and give the lessons we did learn and give the lessons we didn't learn with love instead of with shame or judgment. Like, I wish I'd learned that. Yeah. It's so cool to hear like your story and how the dots kept connecting and like this thing led to another thing. And even in the example of the man being mean to you, I, it makes me think of like how people and situations and things that happen are our mirrors. And it's like they mirror to us maybe what we don't believe in ourselves. And so you having that experience did force you to look inside, like reflect upon yourself and see, okay, what parts of me do I not feel good enough? And finding that strength from within. And then from now on, it's like, now you give people that permission to find that within themselves just by you figuring that out and being that light and sharing that light with other yeah. people. Yeah. You're my mirror right now. Yeah. And it's how much we see it or we're so clouded that we can't. But it is like what you said so beautifully. I wish I could write that down. It, yeah, it's like I want to, in my own words, I've said, I want to live a life in a certain way that inspires others to do the same. Because I know that if I've, another mentor we I have is like, you can only teach what you have really had direct experience with. Because then it is, and even if it's a concept, like a yoga concept, you know, until you've really gotten it inside, it's different when you transmit it to others versus like, oh, I heard this thing and I should teach it, you know, or transmit it, you know, and in that same thing, I do think we make a huge difference because we're, we're talking of our own experience and what helped. Right. So I always think that like, I come with this toolkit, I've got some that's full, I've got another one that's empty and it's going to be filled up with all kinds of other life experiences. And it's like, what can we, what can we offer without attachment to others too? Because some people, it might really touch their heart. And some people might be like, you sound like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's okay, too. That, that's where they are on their journey. And, and maybe one day they'll get there. Maybe in this lifetime, they won't. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, you know, knowing that it's not about yeah. you. I'd love to talk about your experience doing both Wicked and Frozen. But I'm thinking about, okay, if because so many people, you know, think of Broadway as this dream. Like, if you've made it to Broadway, you're a success. And I'm interested in hearing your experience about, like, being in the same show night after night, doing the same thing. And how do you stay creative and feel fulfilled as an artist? Because I think that's something that I'm questioning about myself. Like, would I be fulfilled as an artist doing that kind of work? And just this idea of like being a quote unquote professional artist versus following your own creative projects, like the dance video that you did and, and what's more fulfilling and, and can you find the balance in both? That is a beautiful question. I'm so proud of you. It's so many. Let's see. So most of my career, I was a dance captain. And Wicked, I was dance captain swing. And Frozen, I was only a swing. And I think in one way, I hated it and loved it. I'm very good at it. I don't get bored because I would probably get bored because I'm doing everything. And for me, the harder part was I wasn't. And another thing in my life, I think the reason I had to be that is in the beginning, I told myself, like, oh, you're the second best. So you're in the wings waiting to go on. Like I told myself swings weren't good enough to be on stage every day. Instead of like, oh no, I gotta do all y'all do. Like, and sing what all of you sing. And so, but, and again, it was a mirror of the lesson that I needed to learn. Cause I don't think that by any means anymore. But I remember the beginning of my career, I thought that. And, but then it started to be, 
Akash, I was in Wicked all together for eight years, seven years consistently, but three different companies. And then the last year I was a vacation swing and then I moved on to Frozen. But I never got sick of the music. I never, you know, I loved dancing that style so much. I still miss it. I never got the chance to get bored because I was a swing. So it was a gift being a swing. In Frozen, I got to perform a lot more because it was original cast. In Wicked, we had so many people who had done it. If someone got injured, they would call someone in immediately to go do it. So I rarely got to do long runs of, of tracks, I like to call it. In Frozen, I did because right off the bat, we got people got injured. I got injured as well. And I had found out on opening night I had to have voice surgery. And I was out for a month. But another thing, ugly package, beautiful gift. And now I sing better than I've ever sang in my whole life. It was so stressful originating a show. I had a break, you know, but I finally got the chance. I was on for a tracks for like a month or longer. And I remember being so annoyed when people would get bored and phone it in. There's a couple people, specifically in Wicked, two of my friends who had been in the show for over 10 years and they were so committed. Even if they didn't feel it, it looked brand new every time. But I started playing a game with myself. And at the time I was recording meditations for a meditation app called La Luz, which is geared towards performers. And they had asked me to be a guiding light on it. And I was recording different things or thinking about what I would say. And one is about that. And I remember thinking, it's so beautiful because you can give yourself a task when you've done the show to keep present. That it um, some I would listen to the beauty of the music really intricately. Some might play a game that I would try to look into so many people's eyes. Because it's true, long-running shows, it's not meant for some people. Some people really can't do it. They tune out, they're not their best selves, they're like not there on stage, they're complaining, whatever. You know, that just happens. Other people would prefer the stability. Everything's fine. It is hard. It shows a week. But at the same time, <laughs> It's such a gift, like, to have that again. And I think the way to fulfill yourself is to have a practice of staying present. How beautiful is that? You know, meditating before shows and, like, going inward to then give of your soul on stage and not just, like... And then it's a very different experience, you know. And acknowledging if there's times that I, I tuned out and a part where we're in the background and we're not doing very much, it's easy to be like, I'm hungry, I want a sandwich. And, you know, it's harder when you are a principal role. Again, it's easier to really dive into the moment. But I think it's a beautiful challenge as an, as an ensemble member to dive into the moment. But also, it's not always, I think people think you're going to get Broadway and it's going to like make your life better. And it's going to fulfill every dream. And it's the most beautiful thing. And it's also beautiful because it's stable and you're home. Mm. And you get to come home every night to your friend or your cat or your partner. And you get to do other things with your free time. On tour, you get to travel and see amazing things, you know, and therefore there's a freshness because you're traveling all the time. But in a sit down, because um, I think bitter at the show because it's not fulfilling them anymore. But they're also, it's coming from their ego. It's maybe not fulfilling them because they're an understudy and want, want to be the role. They're tired. They don't feel recognized. They don't think they matter. And so A, number one, I feel like you have to walk into the room knowing you matter. And wherever you are on that stage, your light is seen. And then you fulfill yourself even deeper on your, and you get to do those creative projects while making a paycheck. That you can take your time during the day and create more dance pieces or create anything you want that is ultimately, I think, more fulfilling if it comes from you, if you get to do this other stuff. It's a different level of fulfillment, but you get to do both, but you have the ownership to do that and the responsibility to do that and to not 
to not put all the weight on another person, another show, and an experience to fulfill you. Because eventually, even if it starts off that way, eventually it peters off and you get tired. Like the beginning of the show is gangbusters for everybody. It's new and exciting and it was frozen on Broadway and got you all these things and, you know, and then eventually becomes normal and then people want more and did, and that, and that is okay. You know, so then that's when you want to take it upon yourself. But also like, and some people really don't like long runs and they leave or they get another gig. And some people would rather, there's a societal success of Broadway, but why does that have to be it? Success is doing what you love and sharing of your heart. And that can be in any way, you know, and it doesn't even need to make money. So it's all, again, going inward, your perception of what success is. You know, if I didn't have the yoga community, if I didn't have meditation, if I didn't have all these inward experiences, I would deal much differently with it. You know, because also, and people make fun of me, because I, I even go to a party and they're like kicking and I'm like, let's talk about life. And they're like, <laughs> and I like can't help but go deep. Like that's my favorite thing to talk about. And like, and no, like what is really important to you? I want to know you. I, yes, you're fabulous. I see that all the time. But I want to know you beyond your fabulous shield, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that for a big layered, deep question, again, is the common theme of this particular talk we're having is to go inward and not let your validation be because no matter what experience it is eventually it won't fulfill you anymore if it's coming from outside because the one day it doesn't or the one day that you don't get what you want or you don't get a compliment you want suddenly you don't like it anymore you know what I mean totally but there's all yeah within that there's so many games you can play to like stay present I would tap my heart light before every show to remember, again, I'm going to fall. I could forget what I'm doing. But if it comes from here, and then now even on Broadway, I used to not feel that way. But in Frozen, people are like, you're just like a little light bright out there. And I was like, they're like, you're the shortest person on stage. And it's like, Phew. and I'm like, how do I feel? Because I'm just like, I'm so grateful to be here and get to do what I love and keep it and keep it in that space of gratitude. It's a whole different experience. Yeah, wow. Can we talk about mermaids? Because we are both mermaids. Will you talk about what what that means to you? Because people ask me that all the time, and it's one of my favorite questions. Yeah, what started off as like a you know fun, silly thing, I feel like as I get older, it just becomes a lot deeper and, and more meaningful. So I'd love to hear, what does being a mermaid mean to you? For me, it started that, it's funny, when I went to UCI, I lived in Newport Beach, but I never went to the beach because I was so busy. Because at like 8.30 at ballet, and then I would on campus all day, and then I'd go at night. And then I moved to New York, and suddenly I'm like, where's the ocean? Where's the beach? <laughs> and there was one time I went to Fire Island with a bunch of my friends, and I got into the water, and no one would get in with me. And water is so healing for me. And I was like, I feel so alive. I wish I was a mermaid. And it was the first time it just popped out so honestly. So it started as a joke. But then I was like, no, I really mean it. Like, I don't need a tail or, you know, like, really. But... It's that freedom of water and movement is my favorite things. And there's something about even when I'm sad, like like you're surrounded by water, it feels like um, the light pressure feels like a hug. Mm. And so I just really want to breathe underwater because I just want to hang out there all the time. It's like it, everything slows down. It's like meditation. It's like everything slows down. It's calm. It's a whole other world that's calm and quiet. 
and I feel expansive and free and unlimited in water. And ironically, my parents live in Hawaii now. And in the beginning of the pandemic, my fiance and I were on a vacation in Hawaii when everything shut down. So we just stayed. So I stayed for three months, he stayed for two months, and it was incredible. And we also, through the pandemic there, you could swim. You could go to the ocean and be and swim or surf, but you couldn't be on the beach. You couldn't congregate. So we would swim every day. And I've never been able to swim in the ocean that's clear and beautiful in Hawaii every day. And I started to get to know the animals. There was this one little fish that I named Marvin that would, there's this one beach I would go to a lot near my parents' house called San Susi that you'd go along the shore or there was a flag way out, but it's all coral reef. So you feel like you're in an aquarium because you can see everything when it's low tide and it's clear. And there's brilliant fish everywhere, brilliant coral everywhere. And so Marvin would protect his little piece of coral every day alone. He was there every day. And then I started to see sea turtles everywhere. I could go look in this reef. There was like four or five or six that hung out there. And I could I would go swim laps and then I'd go search for them. And then towards the end of my time, on high tide, it's very choppy and you can't really see. But they come up for air like every hour, every hour and a half. They would pop up in front of me every time I swam. And my friends who were Hawaiian were like, I never see sea turtles. And they're like, it's your amakua. And amakua is your, like a spirit animal. It's like your your family taking shape. Like in Moana, it's the, her grandmother is a manta ray. And I also swam with manta rays in the wild in Bali and in Hawaii. Like the way they move, it's like, I want ideally to do a whole underwater series where I'm swimming with beings in, in the water, things in nature and, um, so for me, it's like anywhere in nature now through all of this is like, I was always just ocean person, but now like I love the mountains, but there always has to be some water, like a stream somewhere. But for me, the, the mermaidness is that it's how it makes me feel. Because people can think it's like, you know, do you want a tail? Da, 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 da. And I did, I thought it once my friend is like a full mermaid in California that like goes to gigs and he like has a tail. And, oh, wow. and at first I was like, okay, I say I want to do that, but that's crazy. But then I put on the tail and I was like, oh, and he was training me. I was in a pool and I was like, bye, BRB. I'm going to become a true mermaid. And like, there's a mermaid show in Denver where these women are full mermaid tail in the aquarium and they are talking and no bubbles come out of their mouth. I've tried this. It's very hard. They do a show about conservation and, wow. you know, so it's a whole thing. But I think the true essence of it is that water is the most healing, peaceful place for me. And when I'm in it, and when I created water, it was like I just wanted to be in it all the time. If I'm sad, I'll take a bath. And so I, when I came home, I, and we have this beautiful painting in the other room of the sea turtle, I cry because I miss my connection to the ocean that I got to go, and especially seeing all the beings. I feel like a mermaid would be able to see all her friends. And I've gone to the beach here, and it's wonderful, but you can't see anything. It's the feeling of expansive freedom, unlimited, magical. It's like transcendent in a way. It's like they they go beyond because they're magical, but it's just, for me, what it means, for, it's the feeling that I feel, I, like my heart right now talking, it feels like this. Mm. What about you? We're so similar because you just kind of described everything that it is for me too, because yeah, similarly, I don't, I don't 
like people would be like, Leah, you should um, like tell me about the type of mermaid shows like that. Like you should do that. But for me, it's not that. It's more of this feeling and this spiritual connection to magic and to, I feel like the mermaid is such a badass woman. It's like femininity and sensuality and pleasure and play and depth and like really getting to know yourself on this deep level and getting to see others on this deep level and following the spirit of curiosity and and play and creativity and sharing your voice like in the little mermaid i love that it's all about like her finding her voice and being able to express who you are through your voice and so yeah everything you said too the ocean is so inspiring to me and and that feeling of transcending in water and being held by water and the earth and like the, this connection to earth in this beautiful way that we don't, especially living in the city, we don't really get a lot. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if those of us who connect to magical things in nature, you know, but are city dwellers, because we yearn, I think human beings yearn for that connection. And it's amazing with indigenous people, like my friends who are native Hawaiian, the true essence of aloha is love and it's like i welcome you with love and it's a reciprocal thing they call it you know like we, people can so go often go to places and just take and they say don't just take take care and and they truly have a reverence for nature for the ocean they have all these stories and it's in their being it just is the way that is of this reverence for otherness for for nature for ocean for animals for being that is a way in the western like modern world where like you're weird whatever and like i'm the hippie friend that hugs trees and but i'm like trees are majestic and life-giving and get into it like you know and and it can seem you know and i think i used to play up in a silly way this other side of me and but it is like it, it's actually quite deep and beautiful and profound and how we used to be beings that lived off the land and respected it and honored it and there's such a disconnection and that's another step for me that I want to put out into the world that that idea because then also in that you deeply respect and honor one another and right now we like we've sectioned ourselves off we're in these pods these apartments and we close them off and People tend to only think of, and we, you, ha you had to think of the greater good because if you lived in a tribe, you had to help each other survive off the land and you had to respect it and learn about it in order to get what you needed and use all of it because you didn't have an, so much of it. And you had to help each other. And that's, I feel like, a common theme right now is that in a collective way, we have to be there for each other. We have to care about others. But there's so many people who have learned their whole life and generations to only care about themselves and their families which is valiant for their families. I get and I love that they want their families to do well, but it's a time that we need to truly care about others and raise others up and help other people and, and help the world. Because the next the next pandemic is climate change that people aren't talking about, right. you know? And so if we can be people that bring that majesty and true deep message of being there for other people and our yeah. the way we can shift it, you know? Yeah, hopefully. Thank you for this conversation. This has been life-giving. Um, but the last question that I'll ask you is, has there been a book you've read recently or just something that inspired you recently that you want to share with other people? Uh, okay. 
So this one's called Permission to Feel. Brene Brown has an amazing podcast. And so she has an episode with this guy's Mark Brackett. It has a way, because I'm such a sensitive, emotional person. And it has a way that's like, it has this chart that has all these colors to help kids understand how they're feeling and whatnot. So for me, because it's something I want to go into is helping children, helping people, give them permission to feel. The next thing I'm obsessed with is a podcast called Finding Fred. Mm. I'm obsessed with Mr. Rogers. I highly recommend watching the Mr. Rogers documentary because he's someone you're worried there's going to be like a skeleton in his closet. But his dedication and his ministry to help children, I felt so inspired to be a light in the world to help people like he was. I'm also researching Hawaii right now because I want to film a show about connection. It's like a travel show, but it's more about a space. I feel like when you connect to a being, a person, and a space, you want to help it in the world. So it's more that I want to create a show that has an element of dance. So I'm going to learn hula, I think, and the people and the trueness of Hawaii. Because people go and just think like luau's and whatever, but like the true essence of Hawaii and the people and nature and the ocean and, and sea turtles. You know the chicken soup books? Yes. There's chicken soup for the Hawaiian soul is what I'm also reading. And I think it's lovely. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. I'm going to check all those out and I'll put those in the notes. You too. tell me some new reading so I can have new reading material. Um, well, I read this book called The Journey of Souls by Michael Newton. And it's this guy who had a practice in California and random enough, I found this book and I looked him up and he was living in the foothills of the mountains in Northern California. And the town that I'm from is called Grass Valley, which is in the Sierra Nevada foothills of California. So basically I found out by this, like this ran away that the author of this book is from my hometown, which I was like, what? <laughs> it was bizarre, but he had this 40 year practice of bringing patients into hypnotherapy and then asking their souls where they came from, what are past lives, what do you do as a soul, like, where do you go when you die, like, all these deep life questions. And then I also read Signs, which this reminded me of your sea turtle thing, because Laura Lynn Jackson, she wrote the book Signs, and it's all about, like, people who pass on, and when you have a loved one who passes on, they send you messages and like those messages might come in sea turtles or other little things. It's all these different stories of like, people having someone in their life who passed on, but like they were getting these signs. And I, I just love like that kind of beautiful thing. Yeah, I, um, I just wrote this down. It makes me think there's, I think my old roommate used to have it. It was called like when God winks at you. And some people uh, have a thing with God. So you could think the universe, if you don't think God, whatever. It's basically those little not not so much as a person passing on, but it's like those moments that my friend Amy always reminds me, there's a story of you can only connect the dots going backwards. It's like that. Mm -hmm. When like you, those transcendent moments, those little, it's a tiny, tiny, like one of those little books you can read really fast. That's like tiny stories of those transcendent moments. And so he, the author is thinking of that, like, oh, that's a God wink. Like you're where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Like those moments, or, or it's just like, you know, yeah, that's another one like that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Soul Podcast, and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend and tell them what inspired you, or feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore modern mermaid with your thoughts. 
And if you would be so kind to rate and review the podcast, I would love to gift you my guided writing meditation that will help you connect deeper to yourself, your creativity, and your spirituality. Just take a screenshot of the review and send it my way at the underscore modern mermaid, and I will send over the meditation. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul. 